The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm in church. You know, you, you, you go to a visiting church, a Don Day. You stand up. I don't know if you went to those, one of those churches that have you stand up. You know, giving honor to God, my pastor, the Reverend Dr. Larry C. Johnson, and you got to get this whole preamble. So I was about to say the preamble for you. Always a pleasure and an honor, my brother, to see you, J.A. Adonde, live on Brother from Another. Man, good to see you. How you doing? I'm great. It's great to be back with you. And man, we go back decades. So it's always cool to chop it up with you. Way back, way back. You know, I, I, I was enjoying that yesterday when uh, Steve Weitz was doing that. It was kind of like that Doctor Strange thing. And I, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't it's like hey, doing the robot. And it bit. makes sense. Hey, isn't Stephen Strange? Isn't that his first name? Stephen Strange. Dr. Steve Strange doing the whole thing. Look, man, speaking of strange situations, I once heard the great Cornell West say something man during a lecture. So Cornell West giving a lecture. I don't know if it was here or somewhere else, but you know, he's always around town. He was around Harvard a lot, went to Harvard undergrad and all this stuff. But um, he gave this lecture about spirituality, his own spirituality. He's a very strong uh, Christian, but he said, even though I'm a strong Christian, he said, there's a war going on in my soul. So there's the good part. There's a good part of me. And then there's some times I don't want to necessarily be so good. And I, I was really appreciative of his honesty because I think we're all like that. And the reason I thought of that, when I saw John Gruden say, I'm a good person. Okay, sure. But that's not really the point. <laughs> like, Okay, I'm a good person. He said, I'm a good person. I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. Okay, great. You know, all right, check those What's boxes. that got to do with anything? <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, that you can be a good person. You can be a good person and do stupid stuff. You can be a horrible person and do something that's redeemable. I mean, that's the whole human existence. It's a human experience. We're all complicated and, hyper, and, and hypocritical and, and hard to figure out. But let's get back to the point. The point, J.A., is John Gruden said some things and he's asking for forgiveness, but he hasn't necessarily accounted for what he said. It's kind of like that. It's like that, that storefront forgiveness. It's that superficial forgiveness. Okay. I'm forgiven now, right? You don't have any questions. No, no. I, I look, maybe it's my journalistic bias. You tell me Jay, uh, my journalistic bias. I feel like, um, there are some questions we got to talk about. Right. Okay, I got some follow-ups for you. And, and it goes beyond <laughs> journalism. To me, it's it's a fundamental yeah. of, of our societal, and I certainly believe in forgiveness. But in order to receive forgiveness, you need to make amends. And that's what we're not seeing from Gruden. That's what we so often fail to see from people say, oh, we deserve a second chance. You deserve a second chance if, A, you serve your penance for what you did wrong, and, B, you attempt to make amends. And that's why my topic bar on this was, 
there's a Gruden way and there's the Harden way. Hardaway, because to me, Tim Hardaway is the gold standard for messing up and then doing things to correct it. He made amends and he very famously, his his offense, if it's words, when we're talking in the in the world of words, you people said things more offensive than what Tim Hardaway said when he straight up said, I hate gay people. He didn't say I dislike. No, wow. he said I hate gay yeah. people. Deeply yep. offensive and paid the price, yep. was immediately banned from all the uh, All-Star Weekend activities to which he'd been invited to in 2007. And he feels it, it delayed his his entrance into the Hall of Fame, which is which is uh, about to happen for him now, and which was the reason he's back in the news. San Francisco just did a chronicle, and he revisited um, all those things. But it also revisited the things that he did to make amends. Um, after saying those things that, that were deeply hurtful to gay people, um, he... He advocated on behalf of, of marriage equality, for example, and, and gay marriage. Um, he, he spoke to it and, and got to know, for example, and supported Jason Collins when Jason Collins came out as gay. And, and he has worked on behalf. He has met with, with members of the LGBT, LB, LBGT community and tried to make amends and is now an advocate on their behalf. And that's how it's done. Uh, you, you don't say, hey, just give me a second chance. You need to address the issue. It's similar to when BYU and their athletic director refused to address the issue with what happened with the Duke volleyball player who was called uh, a series of racial epithets. Uh, he didn't want to talk about it. Michael, let me ask you. If, if Let's say you, you want to go on a weight loss program, right? And you've got a trainer and you've got a nutritionist and you want to lose weight. Hey, it starts with hello, acknowledging you're overweight. Right. Here's what we need That's to address. Right. <laughs> I am overweight. Therefore, I need to address this. I need to embark on a program. So you need to start by acknowledging what you did wrong and why it was offensive to people and what you're going to do about it. That whole weight loss thing sounds like you were in my living room about uh, 25 minutes ago. Man, <laughs> I'm telling you, you got it. But I'll tell you this. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And with Gruden, the thing that stood out to me, Jay, well, m- many things stood out to me. Uh, from his appearance, and, and we will ha- we'll have that sound uh, later in the show. But the thing that stood out to me is his his request for a second chance. He said, I, I, I really, w- I made a mistake, which is kind of, well, We've all made mistakes. Things. Like, no, we, we haven't all said <laughs> offensive things in the email and hit send. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, right, I made a mistake, but it wasn't one, okay? Semantics, you made a mistake. You made a mistake that is like an episodic series, okay? It's a long-running series. It was going on for a while. Okay, but he said, I hope I get a second chance. So both things can happen. And I look, I'm not a guy who's just going to sit here and just like just hammer you for no reason. I believe in grace. I believe in extending grace. Uh, and grace has been, it has been extended to me in situations so... I'd like to, you know, pay it forward. But there's a chance that you can be forgiven and not get a second chance. And I think that is not, um, those things are, are not in conflict. I can forgive you. Like, let's say I'm a team owner. Hey, John Gruden, I forgive you. I forgive you. I, I heard, I followed your story. I forgive you for all the things that you said. I, I was offended by them. I was surprised that that came from you. Yeah, you're forgiven, but um, now I have other questions about you as a leader, and I don't think I'm ready to give you the leadership of my, like to give you the reins of my organization. I'm I'm in no rush to give you $10 million a year to represent my franchise, (laughs) which is what he wants, clearly. uh, He had that nice big contract with the Raiders. He lost it for some old man. I, I will say this. 
I would hate for some stuff to cost me my job that occurred before I even had the job, which was what happened here. Mm. So I, I could understand the frustration here. Some stuff surfaces from your past that had nothing to do with what you're doing now Ooh. currently, and you're, you're out. <laughs> so I get that frustration, yeah. but again, shouldn't have done it in the first place. We're so fortunate, Jay, that both of us, that we went to school, uh, no Twitter, no Instagram. No cell phones, right. <laughs> no cell phones, like, or Thank if you did, God. if you had a cell phone, it was harder, like cell phone, you needed like one of those U-Haul, like those like many U-Hauls to bring your <laughs> cell phone al along. Like old school Fred Flintstone, they put it on the side of the car, tips over. I mean, it was huge. Now we talked on and on about John Gruden. I want, uh, want everybody out there to watch and listen to the sound, and then we'll come back and, uh, and, and unpack it some more. Here's John Gruden with the Arkansas Little Rock Press Club. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Little Rock? I, I want to know the story behind club. this. The Little Rock Touchdown Club, I think it was. The Touchdown Club. The Touchdown Club of Little Rock. Here's John Gruden. I'm not going to um, uh, say anything but honest things here. I'm ashamed about uh, what has uh, come about in these emails, and I'll make no uh, excuses for it. It's just, it's, it's shameful. But uh, I am a good person. I believe that. I, I'm, I, I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I've got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes, but I don't think anybody else in here hasn't. Uh, and I just ask for forgiveness, and hopefully I get another shot. Oh, you know, you know, I, I, I got to say, I got to say. Years, like, what's that got to do with anything, man? I got to say, I got to say, hearing it, it's worse. <laughs> you know, like, when you hear it, like, you know, sometimes you read it, you go, oh, okay. But when you see it and you hear it, he's trying it's to worse. sell it. Yeah. And it's also it's, sort of a, a tacit admission that he's ashamed that it came out, right? He's not necessarily yeah. ashamed. He, he's, he, I'm ashamed what came out in the emails, right? Like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that, that it came out. I'm sorry it got out there. Uh, you know, the other thing that, that we never address is the fact that he felt comfortable sharing those with an executive of an NFL team, that he felt like, okay, not only do I feel this way, um, mm. not as a no problem with, with feeling this way, you know, he, he was convinced that he was in the right to feel this way, but he also was convinced that others shared that view, right? And that he could send it no, to I somebody on their NFL email accounts and, and that there would be no repercussions and, and that it, everything was okay. We're amongst friends. We're amongst like-minded individuals who all feel this way. And I'm comfortable sharing these feelings that I have. I'm comfortable mocking the NFL's attempts at, at diverse, diversity. I'm comfortable calling the commissioner of the NFL yeah. uh, uh, a, a derogatory gay slur on an NFL email, sending that to an NFL yeah. email account. Right. I'm comfortable with these things. And okay, you said he was convinced that that somebody agreed with him. He didn't have to guess. He knew it. He knew it. He knew. He knew that that was a, a safe space. Now, I, this is gonna sound strange. I'm on John Gruden's side in some areas. I'm on John Gruden's side when it comes to his lawsuit. I'm fascinated by his lawsuit. I'm fascinated. Why? By why, why, why him? Because. Right. <laughs> okay. That, okay. Look. Why, okay. Why, really? Why me? Right? Are you gonna single out me? Right? Yep. These only the emails that came out. Let me out? tell you something. If if really if we're talking about six hundred and fifty thousand emails, they made a mistake. I'm gonna say this. A, a shocker. The NFL made a mistake, a PR blunder. When I do believe 
I don't know if they were trying to set John Gruden up or just trying to leak it out, whatever they were trying to do. It, somebody, whoever leaked it, and I don't know if they had uh, they had authority to leak it or it was like a sinister thing, and then somebody in charge said, what are you doing? Oh, man, you just caused a, a huge problem for us. Whatever. That was the biggest mistake because now it puts the attention back on that mound of e- a mountain. That is freaking Everest, the Mount Everest of emails that I would love. You don't have to give me 650,000. Give me 50,000. Give me 50,000 of those oh. emails. I'll bet you I could I could take away five oh, or six also, jobs Michael. and five or six franchises, <laughs> right? Correct, correct me I mean, if I'm wrong, but but these emails were, were unearthed in the process of, of researching all the malfeasance of the, the Washington football organization, right? Right. So, exactly. so we've distracted from like the, the worst offenses have been committed in people involved in that organization going up to the very top, right? Like that's worse than what uh what was said in those emails. And yet to date, the greatest punishment has been uh meted out to, to John Gruden. So I'm with you there in that there is unfairness in who has been targeted through all of this. And, and we, we have lost track of, of the, the origin of those emails in the first place. How they came to be in the public sphere in the first place is because of what the very top of the Washington football organization was doing. I got to tell you, I don't know what kind of, uh, we were talking about you know Marvel and superheroes off the top. I don't know what kind of force field Daniel Snyder has around him. I don't know what it is. I mean, he's got a little it's not Dr. Strange. It's more like Iron Man. I mean, this guy, so many things (laughs) have surrounded his franchise. So many bad things have happened that he has said that we know he has said that we know he's done. And yet he's never and matter of fact, he's never been as he's never been punished as severely as Stephen Ross. Right. And Stephen Ross and, and, with the whole thing. And he's done much Michael, worse. You, you, than said, Stephen you Ross said about the, the questions, right? You, you said the questions you had as a journalist, the questions I would have for, for all his colleagues, the fellow NFL owners, you're comfortable having this person represent you. And the question I would have for Roger Goodell is does Daniel Snyder represent the values that the NFL espouses? Right? Are you comfortable having him? Do you, do you say he can honestly represent what the NFL espouses? to be in the, in the type of leadership we would like to show, the type of responsible citizenship. It demands, right? Uh, uh, you know, we just saw them fighting for harsher punishment for Deshaun Watson. Uh, if you're going to say that Deshaun Watson did not represent uh, the values of the NFL, are you comfortable having Daniel Snyder continuing to be involved with this league? And are the fellow owners, who are really the ones responsible here, are you comfortable having him in your midst? Does he represent you and the way that you feel and the way that you operate? That's the question I have. And they would say yes. And they would say yes. Apparently, their actions or their <laughs> silence says yes, right? It's a resounding yeah, yeah, yes they, based on their, their lack yeah. of punishment of him, their continued involvement with him. It's all a resounding yes. All right, you know, a couple more things on, on John Gruden before we get to uh, Connor Rogers, uh, who knows his football. And I'm going to ask him about, you know, this is kind of connected to Gruden, but not what Gruden said, but what Gruden did while he was a member of the Las Vegas uh, slash uh, Oakland Raiders or Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders uh, it has something to do with draft picks, but we'll talk about that in a, in a couple of minutes. But one thing, you know, he talked about being married for 31 years. Now I haven't been married for 31. I've been married for 15 and I do know that an argument technique does not work. You don't have to be married to know this. 
<laughs> also, does yeah, Adam tell something. you everything you've done wrong? Yeah, I did <laughs> something wrong, but you did too. <laughs> right, right. But, but, like, but also, here we go. But, but it's okay. I've been married for 15 years. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm a good person. I've been married for 15 years. <laughs> okay. That's a non. It's a non sequitur. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. It doesn't tell. It doesn't tell us anything. You can keep talking. But when you say, "Yeah, I did something wrong," but you know you did it too. Eh, that usually doesn't work. When you get into an argument, when you get into an argument with your wife. Your wife doesn't like what you've done. You say, yeah, 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 I did that. But hey, remember that time you did? How, how about that? Okay, that, that thing you did. Remember, remember you wrecked a car? Okay, that doesn't work. And the final thing I'll say about him, and I hate this. So he, he got a $100 million deal from, from Mark Davis and the Raiders. Okay, great deal. Lured him out of the broadcast booth at ESPN. ESPN didn't make him $100 million, didn't pay him $100 million. They paid him a lot of a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money, and they overlooked a lot of things that were not great about John Gruden. Maybe they didn't know all this, but I wouldn't say he was. I mean, he wasn't above reproach as a broadcaster, (laughs) and so you know he kind of did the John Gruden thing. Oh, look at this guy! Look at the way he throws a football! Look at that Spider X! You know, like all this uh, NFL uh, football jargon. (laughs) So after all this stuff, he says, I worked there for nine years. I gave it everything I had. And now I can't, I can't watch the channel because I don't believe everything is true. What are you talking about? Wait, what are you talking about? Is it because they don't just parrot everything that you said to them off the record, which they did, you know, Ooh, let me be an ombudsman here for a second. Which they did in the early stages. In the early stages of the story, that's exactly what happened. If you go back, if you look at like day one, day two of the Gruden story from ESPN's reporting, and then compare it with the New York Times, the explosive reporting, it's a big difference because he was a colleague. And I, and look, once again, I'm not saying that would never happen to me. If I know, if I worked with with somebody for nine years, nearly a decade. And something happens and I am privy to a conversation with them. I don't have to work to get them on the phone. I might I might I'm not uh, proud to say it, but I might give them favorable coverage. You shouldn't you should be totally unbiased. You should be totally uh, unbiased. But sometimes it happens, but now for him, I also say this and and, and he should know that having worked there and and I worked there as a full time employee for 10 years. I've spent 20 years, you know, on ESPN's airwaves with around the horn association at, yep. at, at, at no point has anyone ever come from above and say, we want you to say this, right? There is like, as if there was an agenda, I think that's the common belief out there. And I, I can refute that. And I'm not going to claim that things ever make air that are inaccurate. Right. So um, yes, not everything, every single word is true. There is some inaccuracy. I, I will say that it's not of malicious intent. Um, but sometimes things get out there through shoddy reporting or unsatisfactory reporting um, that that is not accurate, right? But but there is no agenda to you know obfuscate and and to mislead the public and to to say things that are untrue. That just doesn't happen, right? So so you know for him to sort of imply that that there's a whole lot of mistruths out there intentional, um, you know, if he, and he's saying is that a modern development? 
or did he ever say anything that was untrue and or anyone that he worked with while he was at SPN say things that he knew to be untrue at the time and didn't say it? My guess, Professor Redonde, is that they're not saying it the way he wants them to say it. And so he's he's a little disappointed. But look, uh, a lot more on a lot more on this show. We're done talking about John Gruden off the field. Let's talk about John Gruden when he was in charge of the Raiders. Connor Rogers, one of the brightest football minds out there, will join us next. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. No, J.A., I live in Boston, and people have been complaining about the Patriots draft picks the last few years. Hmm. Well, uh, let me introduce you to the Las Vegas Raiders. Damn! Oh, my goodness. I they drafted this guy, Alex Leatherwood, from Alabama last year, 17th overall. And Connor Rogers, I'd like to say that Oh, you're second guessing now. No, no, it wasn't a second guess when you're guessing in the moment. You say, what are they doing? I remember a lot of people saying, you probably said it too. Why are you drafting Alex Leatherwood in the first round? He's not a first round pick, but it's 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 a pattern in Las Vegas. Alex Leatherwood, gone. Damon Arnett, gone. Henry Ruggs the third, gone. They got Farrell. They drafted him fourth overall. They probably shouldn't have. Uh, Josh Jacobs. They really don't draft well, right, Connor? Is that what it is? They just don't have a feel for it. Michael, I think that's putting it uh, as kind as you could put it, calling it not well. They've been as bad as we've ever seen. I mean, I've been covering the draft now for about almost eight years at Bleacher Report, and uh, it's just when you miss this volume of first-round draft picks, you don't stand a chance. And I always said it. It always felt like the Raiders were drafting off an entirely different board from the rest of the league. And you better be right if you're doing that. That's the issue. And they haven't been right. And it all started with Cleo and Farrell after they traded Cleo Mack. When you trade a player in his prime like Khalil Mack, uh, you better be right. Cleo Mack had 30 sacks in those three following seasons. Cleo and Farrell got to eight. And then it kind of spiraled somehow even worse from there. Yeah, so, so my question, Connor, here's the thing though. Like, okay, we can highlight the Raiders, right? But how can so many teams be so bad at this? Especially people who this is their sole function is to evaluate college talent for the draft. I mean, Lamar Jackson, he doesn't fall as far as he did in the draft, a, a future MVP available that late without multiple teams failing in their evaluation. So how can so many teams be so bad at this? To be completely honest with you, J.A., it's just a lot of people working in the league that all have the same thought process on everything. And to bring it back to Lamar specifically, because I remember having these arguments. And listen, I have a lot of misses, guys, plenty of misses. That year, Lamar, to me, was a top three quarterback prospect. And we saw what happened, how far, not just who was drafted ahead of him, but how far he fell in that draft. And the conversation I would always spitball with guys that are in charge of doing these evaluations and making picks was 
they thought he couldn't develop as a passer. And my counter argument to them was he is such a talented runner and raw talented thrower that that will keep him afloat while developing as a passer. And he exceeded those expectations by a mile. He's an extremely special player, an MVP caliber player, and one of a million uh, league misses we've seen. But that's a magnified one of guys are taught growing up in this industry. This is what a quarterback looks like. A drop back pocket passer doesn't move, goes through his progressions and throws the ball. The league has completely changed in the last five to eight years. These guys are making plays with their legs. They are uh, posing the threat as runners, and that's opening up the vertical passing attack. The game is just so much more fluid than what it was a long time ago. But the problem is a lot of guys that are making these selections still think it's the other way. Connor, I want to hit on two things. That that, that last point there, you know, that the the failure to evolve, right, is an important point that you made. But something else that you suggested, uh, you know, if if they had doubts about his ability to develop as a passer, what are you paying your coaching staff for, right? Are you saying your coaching staff lacks the ability to teach someone with this clear athletic talent, regardless of what you thought about his skills, that the talent was obvious, right? So you're saying that your coaching staff that you also pay a lot of money to lacks the ability to develop into an NFL caliber pass. Spot on. And that leads to the next problem is that there are so many difference of opinions between scouting staffs and coaching staffs that lead to a friction of picks. And that's what leads to guys either not lasting, not getting the right chance to develop, having to go somewhere else to get the proper development, as we've seen time and time again. It's it's crazy that a league where winning should be prioritized over everything seems so obvious, but somehow politics are more prevalent in scouting between scouting staffs, coaches, uh, owner division as well getting involved that it ruins basically a lot of the process and leads to these disasters that we see year after year. Now, Connor, you said you've uh, you've had your share of misses. Now, we don't want to talk about the misses. Let's talk about your hits <laughs> as you go into the 2022 season. When you look at some of these teams that are positioned to compete for a Super Bowl, who do you look at? Who are some of those players you look at and say, hmm, I try to tell people they didn't want to listen to me. This guy, (laughs) this guy is ready. He's ready to do his thing. Like, is there is there a player like that? Is there a team that has one of those players that that you saw when while they were still in college? It's a really good question. I, I think I look at the teams that are not ready to be make that Super Bowl jump, but might be ready to surprise people in a couple different ways, right? When you look at a team like the Lions, in my opinion, guys, the hype's gotten a little out of control. Uh, I think expecting the playoffs for them isn't even fair to where that regime is in terms of building. But they've done a lot of really, really good things over the years, even before this regime took over. They shored up their offensive line by getting a guy like Frank Ragno, who's one of the best interior players in the entire league. You take Penne Sewell, who uh, has really, really grown, really grew the second half of last year. And then you look at the draft picks beyond that, whether it's what they've done for their interior defensive line, getting a Monroe St. Brown at wide receiver, and he blew away expectations being a day three selection and looking like one of the better players for those classes. So when you look at it like that, it's always the teams that might be in year two of a rebuild that are coming off of really that dumpster diving stretch of, man, it just feels like they're always picking in the top five and they're ready to make that leap out of that. We saw it with the Bengals. Obviously, everybody loved Joe Burrow. A lot of people loved Jamar Chase. 
But even for what Jamar Chase is, it feels like he was still undervalued. The guy went fifth overall, and he looks like he's going to honestly be a top two wide receiver for the next 10 years in football. So the biggest question everybody has is, who's going to be the Bengals? And that might be a little exaggerated because they went to the Super Bowl. But plenty of teams have started to get going in the right direction, and the Lions are at the forefront of that. When, when I hear you talk like this, Connor, I think um, I, I think of the Jets. <laughs> I think that, hey, there's hope for the Jets. If I'm a Jets fan, like, hey, he's speaking to me. Hey, and maybe in a couple years, we had a good draft. In a couple years, we'll be there. Do you like, I know, I know uh, Zach Wilson can't stay healthy in his first couple years in the league, but do you like where they're going and what they're I really doing? do. Yeah, I really do. From a roster perspective, they've taken a gigantic jump. And it's it's funny. They just led the league in players claimed from other teams from seven. If you said that five years ago, nobody wanted any players that were cut by the Jets. And now they're leading the league in that. So it shows the depth that Joe Douglas has been able to build out throughout the entire roster. Listen, guys. I was in the Meadowlands once I was out of a stroller, okay? That's how I was raised, watching Jets games as soon as I could take a couple of steps. So I've seen it all with this franchise for a long, long time. The playoff drought that's over a decade right now is unacceptable. And once again, I think similar to the Lions, they're not ready to end a playoff drought because of how challenging their schedule is. But you could see a deeper roster. They have a pass rush group for Robert Sala. They went out and got Lakin Tomlinson and Dwayne Brown for the offensive line. You look at how much skill talent they've added in this room in just one year. You sign CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, you draft Brees Hall, you draft Garrett Wilson. They always, the Jets' problem was they were always one or two injuries away from barely being an NFL roster. Now they're a little deeper than that. They have viable <laughs> backups uh, that can compete, that aren't guys brought up from whatever league is starting up at the time, from the XFL to the AAF. And that alone is a big stride for Joe Douglas, who had a lot of work to do when he got here. And I think you're going to see some of that pay off this season. Connor, you, so you just gave us a team on the rise to watch out for, the, the team of your childhood, and I apologize. I want to go back and mend Brutal. some of those childhood memories for you. But uh, what's a team that made the playoffs last year that is ripe for a fall? How about the number one seed, Tennessee Titans? I, I Listen, they're, it's scary right now for me. They're, the hits they've taken at wide receiver from trading A.J. Brown to now your – it didn't work out with Julio Jones because of health. I get that. Robert Woods is a really nice player in this league. Coming off the ACL injury, I think overall he will be fine. Traylon Burks, their first-round pick that was supposed to be the clear-cut A.J. Brown replacement, has been on a roller coaster going all the way back to OTAs. I think the line has quietly aged over the years. At what point do things start to slow down for Derrick Henry? You never want to doubt the king, right? But the blocking needs to be there to get him rolling down the tracks at the second level of the field. Ryan Tannehill just hasn't gotten it done in big games. The defense has a lot of young stars up front and even on the back end. And Mike Vrabel is a guy that can consistently win coach of the year. But forget being the number one seed, guys. I don't think they're the best team in their division. I think the Colts have started to lap them a little bit. I think the Titans, of course, Derrick Henry's health and the wide receiver health uh, has a big impact on this. But they're ready for huge regression that might go from number one seed to honestly missing the playoffs. It's wow. crazy when you You'll said number one seed, like yeah. it didn't register with me because like they, they were such an uninspiring, unimposing yeah. number one seed last year. Like you still you think of the AFC. I think you still you start with with the Kansas City Chiefs when you're thinking about the powerhouse yeah. teams. And I hey, yeah. listen, you like this one on the, you like you like this on the way out, Connor. Um, I know I know a Don Day has baseball fever. Let's just let's get a little baseball in just for a second. A little a little, a little baseball. Uh, I don't know who a Don Day. I don't. I don't know who a Don Day's hot on. I know you're hot on the Mets. Do you think the Mets? I, I know you don't. Okay, you don't want to curse your team. That's your team. But if you look at them, 
do you think they are well positioned to win the whole thing? Do you think they have everything they takes to, uh, everything it takes to win it? They're talented enough, and the key argument is, and say hot on the Mets, I sweat through every single game. That's being a Mets fan for you. It is uh, every single game seems to be a thriller with them. But there's no denying they're built for the postseason because as long as they stay healthy, it's Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer that every team gets to see back-to-back. And that's what wins World Series is your front-line pitching. And then some of their back-end starters go to a bullpen that's been very shaky but can beef it up now. Tyler McGill coming back. Carlos Carrasco can move to the bullpen. Chris Bassett's been a really good number three. We know they have star power in the lineup. Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso. Uh, so they are positioned to do it, but... I am a cautiously optimistic, very skeptical <laughs> Mets fan at all time, uh, so I'm not guaranteeing anything on this show. They took that L to my Dodgers last night, though. Yeah, oh, there I is. agree with you. I mean, there they're, they're, they're a potent team looking forward to the playoffs for sure. I would love to see that. I'd love to see Dodgers and Mets, LCS. I'd love to see it. Give it, give it to me. I want, I want to see, I want to see like that kind of, kind of firepower. But it's not going to happen. Because the Dodgers won't win, nor will the Mets. It's going to be the Cardinals. I said it yesterday. Watch out for the Cardinals. They're scorching hot right now. One of those things. Watch out. Connor Rogers, appreciate you, man. Uh, Good to see you again. It's football season. We'll be talking to you a lot more. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Connor. Great job, Connor. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look at this. Uh, We're not really surprised. We're not surprised that Davidson uh, made the decision that it did earlier this summer. Steph Curry graduate. That was that's that was holding up the deal. He had to be a graduate to get his number retired at Davidson. We all know he put Davidson on the map. We remember him uh, as a sharpshooter in college. So the jersey is being retired and uh, it's a really big deal to Steph Curry, Mark Spears. Uh, you talked to Steph about this. Why is this so significant to him? Well, he, he you know, first he's fulfilling a promise to his mother, um, also his father, that he was going to do this. I mean, uh, it took some time, but I think he's been busy, right, Jay? Right? <laughs> he's been ch- <laughs> a lot busy of things going on. Ch- <laughs> Chips to win. Raised right? in a family and, uh, you know, I don't know that he technically needs his degree to to eat right now. I think he's he's doing fine in his uh, line of work, but that's you know uh, also for Davidson, it is a must that you earn your degree to get your jersey retired. So that's why it's taken this long. But he 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 has this great program uh, that's uh, changing lives and, and helping lives in Oakland. It's called uh, Eat Learn Play and. Um, They've fed, since the pandemic, 20 million meals to young kids who uh, are in dire need of, uh, of, of meals, but they've also pushed education and pushed books. So now none of those kids can say, well, you don't have your degree, right? His kids can't say, well, you don't have your degree. He has his degree now, 
And obviously, um, from watching some of that today, he was very, very emotional and, and uh, felt great about it. And then talking to him on Monday at his, his golf tournament, you could just see him like glow up uh, with excitement about, you know, going back home to get finally get his degree. Mark, you mentioned the, the the golf event that he had recently, and and that was a conclusion of a four-stop tour in which uh, he really promoted access to the game for people of color and for women. And I'm much yeah. more interested in that than the Live Tour, actually. Um, so yeah. what, what can you tell us about that and what the event was like and, and what he's doing for, for the game of golf? Well, well the event on Monday was to uh, raise money for Eat, Learn, Play, but uh, yesterday, he had another event uh, for his underrated golf tour. If, if you look at his Instagram and his social media today, he was p- pushing about Howard's Golf, uh, the women's program, their schedule. So he started Howard's Golf's uh, golf program or rejuvenated it. And it's it's amazing that, uh, you know, somebody suggested to me on Monday that he loves golf more than he loves basketball. I don't know, but I know he, he truly loves golf, and uh, he, he's been another, along with Tiger Woods, he's somebody else who, you know, is certainly opening the door for a lot of um, young black people, people of color, to to get into the game of golf. And so what he's doing with the HBCUs, what he's doing for youth, not only in basketball, but in, in the world of golf is, is, is certainly extraordinary. And he's one of them guys, man, and, and you guys know a lot of jerks in our business and right, but yeah. some people say he's just as good as a person as he is a player. Even as amazing as he is a player, I do think he exceeds that as a person. Do you think uh, you, you talk about the underrated golf tour? He called it that for a reason. He certainly feels that he's underrated or overlooked. They just won the championship, got his first finals MVP, got four titles overall. Do you look at this? Do you think he looks at it and says, wait a minute, like, they, they think I'm done? I, I may, you know, I, I'm just, I got a couple more left in me. Do you look yeah. at the Warriors and Curry that way? Or do you think, uh, as some NBA executives do, that the uh, the Celtics and Bucks, at least coming out of the East, the Celtics and Bucks have the best chance of getting to the uh, championship? Uh, well, first, going back to the underrated thing, I think that goes back to high school. You know, even being at Davidson, it seems kind of crazy that somebody uh, that's probably the best NBA player that we've seen under 6'4", um, still pound for pound, perhaps the greatest player ever, uh, it, it went to Davidson. It wasn't highly recruited. Um, his dad's school, Vitek, didn't even want him. So I think that's where that comes from, right? Um, in terms of the Warriors, I, I asked him about, hey, man, you you have a path to the fifth championship now. And he said, that doesn't even sound right. That's, that sounds crazy that they're in this <laughs> position. And like, but he's, he's in, uh, has an opportunity to be in a really elite special class. Yeah. There are a ton of teams that are going to be vying for that title. I think obviously, and you know, Jay knows this from all his NBA years, like health is paramount for them and everybody else, but I could probably rattle off like eight teams that have a legit chance. And now that the Nets kind of seem to be getting their lives back together, uh, gotten out of the soap opera, you got to, you could, you have to add them to that list. So, um, 
I, I still like the, the Warriors' chances of getting back. I do like the Celtics' chances of getting back. The Malcolm Brogdon pickup was outstanding, obviously, or Gallinari's injury hurt. But um, I, I think that he should be back by January 1st. So I, it's very, very possible that there could be a rematch, right? But I know Giannis has something to say. Right. I know There's Kawhi some good teams has in the West, to too. Yeah. 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 I'm a rat might be ready to enter the chat. That, you know, <laughs> Chris Paul, like, uh, there's certainly, and B, there's certainly some other folks out there that Durant that think otherwise. Marcus, as we look at the Celtics here and you talk about their 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 transactions that they made, uh, you know, what what about the one that they didn't make, but the one that might have unsettled and ruffled some feathers there? And I'm talking the fact that Jalen Brown most prominently um, came yeah. up in the trade rumors for, for Kevin Durant and used to cover that team for the Boston Globe. What do you think that could do? And, and you know, uh, Jalen from playing in Cal and, and being an yeah. East Bay guy like like so. Um, what do you think that could do? Just the fact that, hey, after this breakthrough season for them, uh, his name came up in these trade rumors. What kind of impact could that have? I, I think initially it kind of hurts you, right? But then you think about it, you're like, whoa, I'm good enough to be in a trade rumor with Kevin Durant. I think if if you're him, that's how you have to look at it. Um, I don't think that the, the Celtics are shopping Jalen by any means, but Kevin Durant is Kevin freaking Durant. <laughs> so, I mean, if any team has an opportunity to get him, you, you got to give up something to get something. You don't get Kevin Durant for free. So I, I'm, I'm hoping for him that he doesn't take it personal that, cause he shouldn't. I mean, to me, that's a compliment to him. Um, I, I don't know that, um, uh, you know, it's dead yet. Right. I, I don't think anything's dead with Kevin. Okay. I, I yeah. just, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm really concerned about, not concerned, but intrigued to see how it starts. And yeah. if this Kumbaya camp and yeah, it sounded good. They got together in LA and they had lunch and, but you can't forget what was said. You can't forget the feelings that there were. And if, and if it, it comes off to a, a slow start, I think anything is possible um, for Kevin, for for Kyrie. I, I just don't buy that um, a hug, a, a press release. We haven't even heard from these folks yet. Suddenly means that everything's great in Brooklyn, right? So I'm 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 keeping tabs on that. I'm not just moving on as if life is yeah. great. Um, what, what, what's Ben Simmons going to be like after years. a year and a half without playing, right? Yeah, man. And that's significant. I mean, on paper, that, this looks a like great... an amazing team. It's a championship caliber team. But let's see what happens when they all really get back to work. And, that, and that's a great point, Spears. You know, we haven't heard from Durant. I mean, this is a guy, you say something on Twitter, like, whoa, Olden Polonese says something. He got a tweet of Olden Polonese. <laughs> he tweeted everybody. <laughs> And now, now he ain't got nothing man. to say. Hey, come on. It. Like, okay, let me ask you this. So I want to ask you before oh, we his, uh, run his out of time. comeback game is outstanding, too. KD. Oh, boy. it is. It, it, he's oh, like, you have no impact. Olden, you have no impact. Like, like, oh, my that's, God. That's not like some comedians do when they're on oh. stage. Somebody's heckling. Yeah, he, just like, he, he's really good go through, at the comeback. Don't sit in the front row. Don't sit in the front row no. when Kevin Durant is performing. You're going to be part no. of the act. Uh, but yeah. let me ask you this. Let me ask you. 
uh, before we run out of time. Nice the Lakers. Shirt, by the I way. love this. I like thank you, thank shirt. you. Oh, Fela. Hey, shout Big out. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, I love Fela. Um, LeBron James, I love the SI cover where it's LeBron wearing a t shirt of his chosen one <laughs> cover. Uh, cover. And then his boys there. You got Bryce and Bronny on the cover with him. Now it's not chosen. It goes from chosen one to chosen sons. And he says in the piece that uh, Mark, he really thinks about, you know, who's got draft picks in 2025, 26 going forward. He really wants to play with his sons. It's 2022. Four, three, four years from now. Ugh. You think LeBron? I mean, will he still have it in three or four years? In your opinion? Well, one thing that is oh, wow is like young Bryce looks like he's 18, right? He's only a freshman at high school. Yeah. I wonder what his height is going to end up being. And there's certainly a lot of hype around young fellas' uh, ability and game and stuff like that. And Bronny's starting to move up the rankings. Uh, looks like he, he's a legit player. But I, I, I think when you look at LeBron, like they made fun of like what he was eating courtside in the little plastic bag. No, that shows you what, you know, he how he takes care of himself. I was at a Mediterranean restaurant in Las Vegas where it, they it's fish. They're, they're serving fresh fish, and it's very healthy. And he was, uh, he didn't think we saw him, but he was in the back private room eating out there, and I heard he eats there all the time. So that, that kind of tells you how he takes care of his body. He not only has put a million dollars into his body in terms of the people that work with him, but he's certainly eating the right way too. So I think with the way he takes care of himself, technology today, the people that he's, uh, you know, uh, working on him, I can't see why he can't play for five more years. Question is, wow, five. how good how good will he be? I think yeah. him being around isn't an issue to me. It's like, what kind of LeBron is he? And so when you've been that amazing, when you've been that great, can he be okay if maybe the Superman capes falling off uh, in order to play with his sons? If he like, a, well, let's go back to Ken Griffey Sr., right? Like, he, he was a great player when his son came, probably was on his last days. So I, I just wonder what kind of player will he accept himself being in five years in order to play with his sons? And, you know, shoot, man, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this cat got the fountain of youth. He never seems to get hurt really anyway. Uh, and he has it all figured out. Maybe he's got a, a deal with, with Jesus himself. I don't know. But if anybody can keep it, we all body, do, Mark. We all yeah, do. Mark, he, 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 <laughs> he hasn't had the major injury, but he hasn't been able yeah. to get through seasons healthy. Three of his four yeah. seasons in L.A., he hasn't been able to get through healthy. And, and yeah. Mark, he can still clearly be one of the best players in the league. But it's that that little edge, whether or not yeah. he's still capable of being the best player to lead a team to a championship. And I think the Lakers thought Anthony Davis could become that guy. Yeah. He hasn't shown the indications he can take over. So for the for the interim mark until until his yeah. his son or sons can get to the league, what can LeBron mean for the Lakers and what can they expect? Yeah. Well, but you know, Jay, I'm gonna go back because Jay, I know you saw this. Michael Jordan in Washington. It's like those videos are lost tapes. 
We never see any video of Michael Jordan in a wizard's uniform, right? He been scrubbed from the internet. (laughs) All you see is an all-star game in Atlanta, and that's it. Like, you don't see anything. And can LeBron be okay being that? You know what I mean? Which which is not as bad as it seems. Michael averaged 20 points a game at age 40. Like, Michael Wizard is not bad. At age 40. At age 40. I mean, come on, yeah. and, and think about the guys, the guys he was going up against, and who was in that league. You still had like some of the two guards in the league, but man. Kobe, we didn't McGrady, see the same Pierce. athleticism. We didn't see the same dominance. I remember Rashawn Leonard blocked his shot once and stood over him, and that might have been all due respect to Rashawn. That might have been his first career block, right? But hey. the thing is, we held Jordan to such a astronomic high pedestal. Same for LeBron James. Can you see him being sixty yes. percent? Would he yes. be okay with being sixty percent? He'd be great. You know what? He'd be great. He'd be great, Mark. And he'd that's a great. big question. He, I, I, I believe he can play when Bryce is there. But yeah, you know what? He'd have to. When you he's know so when smart. the Sean Leonard's and the guys off the bench start giving you problems, is your ego going to be able to handle that? See, I love this. I love it. We we talked right up to the music, and we can keep going. But the music is making us stop. Mark Spears, great writer, music great broadcaster for Manscaped. Appreciate you. <laughs> J.A. and Don hey, Day. Love you Appreciate both. you, too. Thank you. Thank you for love what you. you guys have done for the journalism world, man. Both of you. Oh, man, appreciate that, Mark. Hey, thank you for your service. Yeah, Former it. NABJ oh, Sports yeah, Task Force president right there. That's right. Oh, I'll be calling there, you. That was, there was I a still time. got hey. There was a time. I still got that wine. I still got that wine. Wait for you, man. I'm waiting for you to come hey, visit. I'll be, I'm I'll be saving in New England it. next weekend. Hall of Fame, baby. It's coming. All right, come on. We're going to do it. There you go. Yeah. Mark Spears, the one and only. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.